Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello again, and welcome back to the wonderful world of wine. Every week, Mark and I get together virtually still and uh, bring up some topics from the wine world to you out there, our listening audience. So how are you this week, Mark? I know sometimes we uh, think about how long it's been since we've been actually yeah. able to physically get together in the same room and do our show. Well, we're still drinking and tasting a lot of wine. We just we haven't that's been true. doing it together lately. So. Right, right. And uh, I can't wait to be able to do some classes with you again, whether they're uh, via Zoom or, or in person. But I have a feeling that uh, maybe we uh, might have some classes coming up. We're adapting. We'll we get, are. We'll get through it. We'll it's get through amazing. It. I, you know, six months and here we are having all these uh, creative ideas about what we can do for still trying to get some wine in front of people. And uh, there's still a lot going on in the wine world, isn't there? Oh, there's always a lot to talk about. We're always finding things all over the world. And uh, we just got to put our shorts away now, I think, Kim. It's getting a little cool. <laughs> no kidding. I know. I had to put on a sweater today. <laughs> it's time for the red wine, the heavy that's, reds. Break that's out right. The heavy red. So what's red wine, first? White wine, rosé wine. So uh, this week, we're going to start with an article that is talking about wine reviews. And now, often we try to be, I think, pretty diplomatic when it comes to the way that we talk about wine and wines that we like or don't like. You know, there's a lot of really, really good wine out there. So there's not too much that we can say, I think, about a wine that is is saying that a wine is not a good wine. You know, we tend to talk about it in terms of flavor and balance and and our own personal perceptions of it, of it and whether we like it or don't like it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know, a good wine or a bad wine. But there was an article uh, on a website called Food and Wine Aesthetics that talks about why there are very, very few negative wine reviews out there. And they compare it to movie reviews and restaurant reviews and music reviews and say, well, you know, people who review films are not shy about saying that they think that this is a terrible movie. And people who review restaurants aren't, you know, so shy about saying, well, the restaurant meal that I had was, was really not good and I'm going to tell you why, A, B, and C. But you don't often find that in wine reviews, do you? And I, this made me think, like, that's totally true. Like you never open up Wine Spectator and see like a fifty-point wine <laughs> right. with some reviewer saying this is this is a terrible wine. Don't go out and buy it. And what I liked about this was that it really made me think that this definitely hits home. This is so true. I think there was so many points in this article to talk about Kim, and like you said, they're trying to compare it to the the restaurant or food critics. And I'm glad you started with that first because to me. A restaurant critic, most of the time, is doing something you don't know they're reviewing you, correct? Would you agree with that? Yeah, you do see these things where um, famous restaurant critics will um, have costumes or they'll go incognito, like they'll wear a wig. 
so that's why you know dress up in say, a way that they don't ordinary yeah. it's, like, it's like they go in yeah they go disguised you don't know they're there so you have to be on your, your game all the time right to but put, i feel put like that's how meal. it should be right yeah like, exactly so you're not seeing well so they're relating that to the, you why you never see that in the restaurant industry. but think i was thinking about when you watch like um diners dive-ins and what what is that show with guy diners drive-ins and dives yeah yeah have you ever seen him eat anything and say he did not like it no he's in front of the people right he, he right. he's not going to say i don't like he's talking to the chef the you know he's yeah. got banter with the servers he's talking to the owners of the restaurant exactly and that's and that was many of the points they said in this article why you really see a lot of you don't see negative reviews because a lot of the times it's personal they might be getting something from the winery. They might be supporting them or getting samples from them. So all of that, you're not really going to give them a bad review. But everybody's opinion on that wine, just because I like it and you like it, our listeners might hate it and give it a negative review. So there are negative comments to be found about wine. It's just you don't see them in, in publications as often as other things, I feel. Well, I think that's a different point. Like you and I, I feel like when we're doing a class and I get this question asked me point blank when I'm doing classes. In fact, I got it last week when I was doing an online class. What do you people like? People will, yes, people yeah. will ask me, what is a wine you don't like? Yeah. And I'm very hesitant to sort of put my personal stamp on a wine that I don't like because I don't want to create a situation in someone's head where they think, Kim's a professional. She's been doing this wine stuff for 20 years. She knows what she's talking about. When she says that this is a wine she doesn't like, that somehow creates this impression in their head that that makes it a bad wine. And I don't want to do that to people. So I feel like talking about my own personal preferences for wine can be a damaging thing to that wine because everyone has something that they like and everyone also has something that they don't like. Like, I don't have any problem doing it with food. Like, I will tell you what foods I absolutely hate, but I'm a little more cautious when it comes to my own personal wine preferences because I don't want to make people have an, in I don't want to influence people to not try something because just because I don't like it doesn't mean you're not going to like it. And I, I always make it very clear that I'm not saying this is a bad wine. It's just not a wine that tastes good to me. But still, even with that disclaimer, I don't necessarily want to go on record of saying what I don't really like. Although, you know, everyone knows what I don't like. Right, right. <laughs> anyway. No, and, and I think I may have told you this story before on that note, and I'll say it to the listeners, that long ago, one of the very first people to teach me about wine it was we were in a group of, of people a room of full of people tasting wine and most of them were salespeople. and he would pass out a wine and he would say how many people love this wine raise your hand you know half the room how many people actually hate this wine raise your hand and he was setting them up kim because he would say okay the people said you hate it you don't hate any wine if you're in sales, first of all. But <laughs> if you drink wine, you never say you hate a wine. You just say it's not your style. And this is why it's not your style, because it was too oaky or it's too fruity. Right. But you never say you hate it because someone you're going to bring it into is going to love it and you want to sell it to them. But you don't want to put down anyone's opinion or, and basically give a bad review of any wine. Right. 
right? And that's what it comes down to is you're kind of giving reviews. You know, exactly. we, always, we did the same thing when we did uh, trainings at Legal Seafoods. Um, so my boss, uh, Sandy Block, who's one of the masters of wine in Massachusetts and who is, who's in charge of the wine program for all the Legal Seafoods restaurants, um, he would start the classes this way where he would, when we were going through wines and tasting them, he would say, all right, who loves this wine? And, you know, a third of the group would raise their hands. Who, and he's like, who's indifferent to this wine? And then another group would, would raise their hands. And then he's like, who absolutely hates this wine? And there were always, you know, people in every single category. And he was always very accepting of that because Sandy knows that there isn't going to be a wine that absolutely everybody loves because everybody's different and everyone has their own opinions and perceptions and likes and dislikes, but that doesn't mean that there is still not a way for you to embrace that wine or accept that wine or communicate to the people that you're serving that that is still a wine that could either work for them or would work in a particular situation with a particular type of food. So I think it's all kind of part and parcel to the same thing that you might be able to identify that this is still a good wine, even though it's a wine that you don't particularly like. But I don't think that's what this article is talking about. No, they, Getting us back it, it, to the article. Yeah, it, well, it's a great segue into, so they're saying, why are there so, so many few negative reviews? So they talked about a few things. And one of the ones were, Kim, that some say that they're taking advertising money. So if it's a wine, re, wine publication where they're reviewing, within the pages of those reviews, there's advertisements. Right. So if you're taking an advertisement from a winery and then they send you their bottle to review it, you're not going to give it a negative review. There's a lot of feelings that, and that's always been a lot of feedback about Wine Spectator. Right. Yeah. It's wine Spectator tends to be the publication that everyone is talking about you know, when it comes to this, it's like, well, there's so much wine, winery advertisement in there that how can they then go put a poor score on something that like literally is, pay, is paying the bills? So I think that's an, a, a real legitimate argument. Yeah. And like you said, Kim, earlier, the review usually goes, you know, the worst you'll see say 50 points up to 100 points. It's just like getting graded in school. And if you look through these magazines, you don't see anything in the 50, 60, no. 70. Sometimes you'll see something in the 70s, but usually the lowest will be like 80. I think the lowest I've ever seen is like a 79. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I've seen a 77 or 76. It's very rare. It's totally, yeah. So that was one of the things they were saying. The other point they made was how can you say it's bad when there's such a thing as bottle variation out there? So maybe the bottle you got and you tasted was its perfect condition, tasting great. The bottle I got might have been a little off, so I'm not going to review it as well, right? So the variation that's out there, it, it's they're not reviewing it because it might they might think it's maybe a bad bottle. Is that the way you were taking the yeah, variation? Yeah. And this also was equated to restaurant reviews. So if you go into a restaurant and you do a review of that restaurant or of a particular dish in this restaurant, you might have just caught the chef on a bad day the Sioux on a bad day, there, maybe there was just something going on at the restaurant that they weren't giving you their 100%. So this is sort of the equivalent of, well, the chef had a bad day, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, because bottle variation is absolutely a real thing because wine is a living, breathing thing. You know, there's other things going on in that bottle. It's not a static, um, it's not a piece of furniture that isn't going to change. It's not a piece of art on the wall that isn't going to change. It is, it is constantly changing. 
So I kind of liked how they equated bottle variation with, oh, maybe the restaurant's just having a bad night. And that sometimes restaurant reviewers will go a few times to a restaurant and try the same dish and then take sort of all of those different times and experiences and put them into one review. So that's kind of a nice idea for doing wine reviews that maybe you taste the same bottle a couple of times. But then that kind of goes back to that, the expense of it, where getting a bottle of wine to taste and review is not an inexpensive proposition, especially if it's a fairly pricey bottle. Right. Yeah. Whether you're getting, you know, free samples or, you know, or where you have to go out and actually buy the bottles for you to review. There's a lot of money behind reviewing wine. And I think that that is kind of the big reason why we don't see a lot of bad wine reviews out there. And the variation thing is also why you should always date or look for dates on reviews. When, when did they taste it? And when it first came out, one year after it was out, mm-hmm. you know, so it makes a difference. It, right. the, how it tastes and what the profile was at that date. So well, that's what I love about like when people independently review wines on something like Cellar Tracker is that there's always a date on there. And that's super helpful to me because I might have this exact bottle in my cellar, but is it going to help me to figure out how it was tasting five years ago, maybe, but it's not going to taste the same now as it did five years ago. So that that dating thing is very, very important because, because wine is a changing thing. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone. If you'd like to get more information about Kim, please go to her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you'd like to get more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. We would love any questions or comments. You can find us on our Facebook page at The Wonderful World of Wine. So we've been talking about why are there few negative wine reviews out there, Kim? And another point they brought up was that many of the people People who are reviewing the wines probably are reviewing the wines or the styles of wines that they like so that they'll always give them a good review. So mm-hmm. if I don't like Pinotage, I'm not going to have all reviews on Pinotage because I'm probably not going to score them very well. So I, I thought that was a very good point to bring up. Yeah, this sort of idea of pre-selection. I, I think this kind of goes back to the Guy Fieri thing, right? It's like, yeah. he, you know, he's not going to go and do a, a piece on a restaurant if that restaurant hasn't already been vetted. So we're talking about, you know, vetting either certain styles of wine that you know you're going to like or certain producers or vintages that already have, I don't want to say a track record, but a there's an assumption that the quality of the wine is going to be fairly decent. So maybe it's a wine that, you know, you had you've had in previous vintages and so you just kind of want an update of what the newest one tastes like or it's a region that you're fairly familiar with and so you're, you know, excited about trying new producers from that same region and that you're going to be, you know, comparing and contrasting different ones, but I mean, I I think a lot of this comes down to going with tried and true producers, tried and true grape varieties, tried and true areas, and not necessarily starting with something that's a little bit more unusual. So I think that you're absolutely correct that this can be part of why we don't see a lot of poor wine reviews is because they've already gone through like a selection process a couple of times before. And then this is like the short list of what wine reviewers are then going to write about. What about the point, Kim, they mentioned this few bad wine reviews because the people reviewing them 
don't want to be considered a wine snob. So I if I gave it so a much, bad... Eh, I don't think it's so much the wine snob thing. I think it does definitely have to do a little bit with, you don't want to create bad blood. Yeah. Like if you were to write a... So like I've got don't relationships. Don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. So like to... I've got relationships with folks who are winemakers in the Finger Lakes region of New York. I don't necessarily want to put a poor review of one of their wines on my website because I know that that is going to impact them poorly. And then that therefore is going to impact my relationship with them. Not that I really do wine reviews. I mean, I don't score anything. I'll put descriptions but I think a lot of us that do this kind of thing, at the end of the day, it's kind of a small business in a small world, and we don't want to do a lot of harm. So, right. So, you know, the, I, I think it comes down to, I think a lot of it does come down to that. On the wine snob thing, I was thinking if someone did if rate something negative, I wouldn't consider more wine snob. I would no. consider someone who's tasting everything, everything under the sun. And they're rating everything the same way. Or I would say that that person is a snob because they're drinking a lot. They're trying a lot. And, and a snob, I mean, an experienced taster. You know, I, I don't think you're a snob if you're reviewing wine and saying it's it's negative. I'm not uh, sure that's I, what a lot of people think of when they think of a wine snob. Yeah. Well, I'm just relating it to reviewing. And, yeah. and when you talked about how you don't score things, I mean, I do use a scoring system. But if I taste a wine and I don't like it, I usually don't review it. Right. And I, think I don't that want that, to put out that and yeah. I don't want to kind of be associated with something I didn't like, if that makes and, sense. And I think that's the crux of the issue. And the article is trying to figure out why it is that wine reviewing doesn't delve into the negative, whereas someone could completely pan a movie. Like Roger and Ebert would tell you this movie is terrible. Like, yeah. and these are the reasons why this movie is terrible. You don't see that in wine reviews. And I think yeah. it's a really it's legitimate argument that you yeah. really don't see this in wine reviews. You would think there would be someone who purposely, I, I, I kind of relate that, Kim, to sports radio. They always have to hack, you know, like Tom Brady. Sports because they radio want, is the opposite, right? Sports well, no, radio they, is always finding the worst thing that's yeah, going because on Because they the want people to give them feedback and talk to them. So I'm surprised that there's not someone out there that all they're doing is, you know, hacking wines. So Maybe they because get it comes feedback. down to sales. So if you're a sports commentator talking about a game and talking about a player and saying, oh my goodness, this guy just this play and he couldn't do this and blah, 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 blah. That, yes, it's negative, but you're also sort of drumming up like enthusiasm for wanting to see just how bad this guy was, right? Yeah, so you're going to yeah. tune in because you're like, oh my goodness, I want right. to see him drop the ball. But so that for, would be the same thing if someone rated a wine bad say, oh, I, I don't hate think this wine. so. Well, if they I, say no, I hate I disagree. It, no fruit whatsoever and you taste it, wouldn't you want to give them feedback and say, you're to you know, this well, guy doesn't sure, always talk? Well, sure, me. Yeah. But if you're just a person who's wanting to get a decent bottle of wine, something delicious that they're going to enjoy to go with their spaghetti bolognese on a Tuesday night, are you going to buy the wine that someone said this has no fruit and it has no balance? No. Like, we yeah. would 
for the academic part of it, we'd be like, Ooh, yes, like, give see, me, yeah. give me that wine that you say has no fruit. I right. want to taste what your perception of no fruit is because we are like the geeky wine academics who want to delve into that. But if you're just a consumer who's looking for a yummy bottle of wine, absolutely not. That is going to do so much damage. Right. And that's a good point because a lot of times if we see a descriptor, it doesn't matter the, the score. If someone's reviewing and says, oh, it smells like, like your old saying, Bobby head doll or something. <laughs> and you want to get it because you're like, wow, I, I want to experience that, right? right? But you don't want to experience if someone says the, the wine is horrible. You no. really don't want to do that. It's between like quality of the wine and the flavor profile of the wine. So you can give all sorts of funky flavor profiles. And I have friends who are like looking for that Barbie doll head smell. They're like, oh yeah, like I love that in red wines from Southern Italy. Other people are going to find it completely off-putting. But there's a difference between saying this is, you know, this has these aromas and flavors and this is a poorly made bad wine. It's not your negative point. It's It's a point that's good for you. It brings up good right. memories for you. Yes. Right. So what about the point you, you were saying, Kim, about the no negative reviews because they don't want to offend the winemaker. And I was thinking if this is a small family winery, if you did offend the winemaker, you probably really put in them a small business in a bad situation. Yeah. So that might be a, a reason why you're not seeing the reviews and you, you don't really see most of the major publications the production of the stuff they're reviewing is not always that 10% stuff. It's more the more production. So for the point that you're going to be able to find it, number one, but I don't think they purposely review a lot of the small guys maybe for that point because they don't want to hurt them or maybe they don't have the money to, to advertise. I don't know. I, I was just thinking a negative review on a small guy would be very harmful. I would think so. And I think we also see this kind of come back to the restaurant thing. I know that I've spoken to folks who do review restaurants that if they go into a small family-owned restaurant, something, you know, someplace that's, that's really small, has one location, is privately owned, and they don't necessarily have a good experience, they would rather not write up a review and just, just ignore it than write something negative right, because right. it is going to be so harmful. And I think that that is a bit of what we're seeing here that there's yeah. a lot of wine out there, especially in regions that aren't necessarily Napa, California, or you know, some of our more well-known places that I think the reviewers definitely are co- cognizant of the idea that we don't want to do damage. If, the di- if it means that the consumer will, s- will still be getting a decent bottle of wine, but it's not doing damage to a small business that it would completely be very, very harmful to their business. So I, th- I think that that was a point that was also brought up in the article that, well, shouldn't you be truthful to the consumer? Like, doesn't the consumer, don't they need to have this information? But I think that there's a fine line between the consumer having access to a wine that maybe is not the most perfectly made thing, but there's some variability when you're talking about maybe areas that are not totally known for their wine 
producing, you know, maybe we might be on just the cusp of climate that is really, really great for making wine. And some years we have really good years and some years we have not so great years, or maybe they're brand new winemakers and they're still learning the craft. You know, there's a lot of, I feel like gray area that at, if at one point you were to reflect very, very negatively on them, that that is going to shut them down completely. So I like the idea that you you said there's a lot of wines out there, and that was one of the points they made. There's a lot made. of wine out there. They, yeah. And on that point, they were saying there's too many good wines out there to review. So that's why, why you're not focus seeing on the any. bad ones. Yeah. yeah. Why, why yeah. look for bad ones? Why look for ones that you might have saw, you know, well, this winemaker was struggling with this vintage. Why would you want to review those when there's hundreds of other wines from all over the world that have had great vintages who have great yeah. winemakers who you, you want to taste. You, and in that industry or in, in this industry, we're not looking for the bad wines. I'm not looking for bad wines to sell to people, to recommend to you when you come in the store. And you're going to taste them before right. you, before they hit your shelves anyway. So and, you're and like the gatekeeper. Right. And that's one of the hottest things I had to adapt to was that, you know, there's other wines to going to come through the door. And as a consumer, you're going to find a lot of wines out there. So if you don't like one, you move on. You, f- you find another one. I think that's why people don't waste time with these negative reviews. Wh- why, right. why do it, right? right? And as wine technology has gotten better over the last you know, 30, 40, 50 years, there is so little actual like really bad wine out there. Like even our jug wines and our box wines and our whatever on the total bottom shelf of everyone's liquor stores are still solidly made, easily drinkable. Nothing is going to get you sick. Right, right. You know, everything out there these days, because our technology is so good. Can you jug wine compare in flavor to, you know, a hundred dollar bottle of Bordeaux? No. But is it still going to be sound wine? And if that's what you drink, is that what you're still looking for? Absolutely. So it's all, I think, a matter of complexity and flavor and what you like. And there, you know, there are so many components that it, it's almost like not worth it to, to point out. They're really, yeah, really. So it's tested a lot more than it was in the past to make sure there's no contaminant, like things that are going to spoil right. over time. So you know you're going to get a good bottle. People don't want to put bad bottles on the shelf or things they know are going to spoil. Right. It's all technically well-made wine yeah yeah like the flavor might not be what you're looking for the the complexity might not be what you're looking for but as far as the science and you know is this wine going to make you sick or is it going to turn into vinegar is it going to go bad no like we are at such a point in our science when it comes to fermentation and when it comes to wine that pretty much everything on the shelf is solidly made wine yeah i think one of the things we always joked about too kim is you can always find something good or something bad on the internet about about a wine. If you search <laughs> deep and hot up, you know, because a lot of times people say, oh, you know, here's this new wine. There's really nothing out there yet. You know, you and I love to Google search and find something about it. And, and you can find it, like you see, either on Seller Tracker or other review sites. This ways to find it. Thank you for joining us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. We would love any questions or comments. <laughs>